everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Ruby Rogues podcast. I'm your host today, Valentino Stoll, and we're joined by a very special guest today, Weston uh, Gagne, Gagner. How, how, do you, how do you pronounce that? G-A-N, uh, Ganger. Uh, so I usually Ganger. say gangster without without the S-T. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, it's French for winning, right? <laughs> ah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, uh... You know, welcome to the show uh, where we brought you on today. Uh, you wrote this kind of awesome project, uh, Rails IETNN Manager. Uh, for those not familiar with IETNN, it's the translation mechanism that Rails takes advantage of. Um, do you want to talk maybe a little bit about yourself, uh, introduce yourself, uh, you know, what got you started into this and where you're coming from? Yeah, yeah. So I'm just uh, uh, a Ruby developer. Uh, I mean, I work in other stuff, but uh, Ruby is is the passion. Um, I work for uh, Braintree. Uh, so we have a Ruby on Rails stack and they love Ruby there too. So that's uh, it's a really nice place to work. Um, yeah, I, I like doing open source. Um, it's It's been been a passion of mine since uh i started a gem uh back in the day called spreadsheet architect and all i wanted to do was just take tabular data and output it as a uh a csv or xlsx or ods and it should just be simple you know i have an array of data put it out and so you couldn't do that thing and so i was like well this is weird you know what you think you should be able to do can't do it so that started the long haul of well let's let's build open source libraries okay that was fun i just made the world a better place what's next so i got sucked into this whole open source rabbit hole that's that's how it starts right <laughs> you get that's excited right, about so. something and uh you know then you're like what else can i make <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so um yeah, no, I, I'm pretty happy to to continue working with the Ruby Ruby language, Ruby community. Um, that seems to be my passion. I'm, I'm glad that it's there. It removes a lot of the barriers to uh, to coding. You know, you're not caught up in things that don't matter to humans. It's, it's things that do matter to humans with, when you're working with Ruby, which is uh, I find that to be a joy. Yeah, I, I do as well. Um, I have to think a lot less about what I'm about the syntax, <laughs> which uh, I'm not happy to dive back into JavaScript for. So what's your favorite open source project that that maybe triggered your your itch here? Externally to me or of my own? <laughs> I mean, either really. What, what, um, what got you curious? Like, you seem to be very passionate about open source. Like what, what started that, right? Like, uh, I, I think it was creating that gem. Um, Obviously, open source is built into the Rails community. Um, and so I guess you're just like, well, other people are doing it. How can, how can I do that stuff? Um, and actually, I was, a, uh, I was a contractor when I first started out um, after getting out of school. So I, I had my own business. And so um, not filled up with 100% of the time, you're trying to press in and be, get better, you know, grow and learn and be more capable. Um, in your free time. So basically, I spent some of that time 
you know, contributing and doing what I can, building out little projects. Oh, you, you find something that you can help out with. So create, create a repository for that. Um, I think that free time was, I was able to pour a lot of that into open source. Um, and I think that was, that was beneficial to, to my career and gaining skills as developer and stuff. So, um, it was, you know, while you're not just scratching an itch just to do stuff, you know, you're actually, you're building yourself to be better. Yeah, totally. I, I feel the same way. I mean, I, I just remember, uh, what was it? A spree is basically how I, how I came about finding Rails, <laughs> right? Where mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm looking for like an open source e-commerce system, like what's out there? Um and I, I uncovered that. And then I was just like, wow, like people are just like giving this up for free. <laughs> and I hear I, I submitted a, you know, a pull request, you know, I contributed, you know, it's it's kind of exciting once you like realize like what you're getting into. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It really is a joy. Yeah. And then you had the solidus free split. So that was <laughs> right. always, you know, <laughs> not to, that it's. To- not that there aren't issues, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So what, what got you onto the uh, translation route? Um, what, what kind of prompted this need for you uh, to, to be able to manage all your translations? So we had this, you know, working on a project and, okay, it needs to be translated into other languages. That's the requirement. And you're like, oh, yeah, sure. I-18, you know, like, uh, why not? It's everybody does it, you know. Like this will be easy, you know. Like it's standardized. It's 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 just a normal thing. Let's go. Let's do it. So you hop into the I eighteen thing, you know, thinking, oh, I'll just manage these files and all is well, you know. Well, you get into the workflow and you find out that, okay, you. That's fine if you're a solo developer, and like you remember to translate all your different languages and. There's just so many different pitfalls that, that you can you can miss um, when you're doing translations. And the particular one that started to bother me um, when when we were working on this stuff. Um, okay, so basically we would just the, the when you have the file-based approach, um, you know, you, you expect that to just only work at a small scale um, if, if you're just thinking about it by 18 for your first time. And so you might want to reach for the database, you know, what you're used to in Rails. So you say, okay, let's let's store these translations in the database, you know, where this makes sense. And we can have now we can have a UI and you know the product folks can manage these translations and all is well. Um, so as soon as you go to do it on the database level, you now have you know, performance issues, you know, you're loading every little string from the database. Uh, you know, there's all this question of caching and a whole headache of things you can get yourself into um, once you go to the database route. And so I wanted to find a way. Oh, and and even with the database route, you end up with drift between development and production. So your your development files might say one thing and your production might say something else. And so in, you're like, well, in development, you know, these strings were all just as as the spec intended. And then 
you get to production. And I think Starbucks had an incident recently where they said, hello world to everybody. Um, so it's that sort of thing. Uh, well, it was fine in development. You know, I, it was, everything was up to snuff. Well, now there's environmental differences. And so you're working with two different copies of the software and with translations that could be a, if you change the translations a bunch, it could be a wildly different experience in your app, you know, like two totally different experiences. Uh, so you want to solve that drift between, between dev and production. And so if you're, if you're using a file-based approach for your, your translations, then now your, your translations are tied directly to your repository. They're version controlled. They're, uh, directly one-to-one. So it's always the same between dev development and production. And so you want to have that file-based approach. Um, Th- that's going to lead to a lot less headaches. You don't have to worry about things like um, major caching and and all the database performance concerns. It's it's all just a simple solution. And so um, I think there's a lot to be said about about that because yeah, it's it's a shame to get tripped up on all the logistics just trying to translate your app. You know, and there's many other things to focus on. You know. Again, back to Spree, like that was kind of my first foray into like heavy translation usage, right? Everything is tied to the database. It's also tied to a very specific business unit, right? Like a product in that case. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's very easy, like like that drift you're talking about, you know? Oh, like, well, we didn't have the products that are in production seated. Uh, so like, you know, it's going to be different, right? Like. Uh, how do you, how do you handle that best? Right. It's hard. And I, you know, we definitely went back to a, a file-based approach for a lot of the main interface stuff. Right. Uh, cause it does, it. it's just so much easier to work with. You get that version control and, um, you know, if, if something's not right, you know why, right. What kind of issues do you see having that file-based approach? Um, you know, on a larger scale, like, do you, is there any, concerns that from from using it on like on a larger scale like do you have to like think about how you're organizing those files right like uh is do you do you not have as much automation you can do with it because it's split across so many things um i mean there are limitations to any approach at scale but um i think the file-based approach is ready to handle a lot of what you're going to need until you reach a point where it should be valuable enough to you to sink time into it. Um, so I, I, I would say don't think about that until <laughs> you get there. You know, right? Yeah. <laughs> like uh, that's a problem for later. I think there, you're going to have big, big changes to make probably once you get once you have start to have those issues. So um, maybe you move to a proper service or something, uh, third party service. I don't know what the case might be. But yeah, no. So I think this is this is more about getting getting people moving, you know, from a smaller scale. You know, uh, this will get you going and keep you going uh, for a long time. So, so what's the workflow look like using this tool? Like, do, is this for a case like where you're starting from scratch with your translations, or like you you already have some? Uh, does it cover all these cases? Yeah, um, you can 
you could start from scratch, but the idea is is that you would have um, existing um, existing files, and you you want to import them. Uh, so you can you can import those. Uh, basically, we provide a flow. There's various edge cases with importing your importing files into your uh, your translation list in the the database at the time. Um, so you have to make sure that you know which source of truth you know takes over and so uh there are various different features during your import um that you can that you can use to avoid issues um with one source being out of date compared to the other so um yeah definitely i think the point is is that you want to be able to import what you already have start with what you already have and be able to go from there um what what this tool really does after the fact of you getting it imported is that um, now you're pro- you can probably expose this to someone who's translating this, and now basically you're just going to now they can see all the translations that are um, untranslated. You know that's an easy thing to miss if you're running a file based approach. It's like oh yeah, I looked through the the en file you know the english file but oh i didn't look through this other file and i didn't notice that this key was missing um so this provides you you know you've got a ui where you can easily see okay which translations have been missed what do we need to fill in you can use google translate um which could probably be adopted to other things like i saw a cool thing for chat gpt um for translations uh this week and thought that was interesting um, but so you could hook it up with various different backends, but it's just basically right now it's with Google Translate, which obviously serves the job. And so, yeah, product folks can manage it through the UI on their end, or they can uh, they can do it uh, through Google Translate. And so once you have all your translations filled in and you're happy with everything, um, you can export back to YAML. JSON. Um, you can even export to CSV, of, which is of limited usefulness. But uh, basically, yeah, so you have a whole workflow, import, export, and UI management um, to keep you running. So I think that's all the tools you need. Yeah, that's awesome. That uh, Google Translate is super helpful. <laughs> Uh, is it is it possible to like mass translate for a particular language uh, using it? Yeah, basically you can you can filter down any list and uh, based on the app name, the the, key, the keys, uh, variety of filters, and yeah, you can translate them all in batch. Basically, the functionality is is that it will translate whatever's missing. Uh, so if you have something that's already filled in, it's not going to try and translate that because that's wasted effort. It's only going to translate whatever's missing and fill those in. Uh, and then you can go from there. So yeah, that's that's the big thing. Be able to do it all in batch quickly and easily. Uh, it's very helpful. That's awesome. Yeah. So in the, in the, the, the situation around this sort of stuff is like, well, prior to this gem being created, is uh, that it's it hasn't been a good situation 
So like, yeah, like I was saying earlier, it's like, oh, I'm just going to add IATine to my project, add translations, all as well. Yeah, so now you've got to build a UI for it. And it's like somebody else hasn't done this before. What? You know, like, <laughs> how many people have done this over time? You know, why isn't there just like a, you know, we're so good at gemifying everything in, in the Ruby world. Why hasn't somebody done this? You know, like, it's just, it's a, how many people need to do this? You're solving the problem of doing things over and over and over again. And so that's perfect. Uh, so basically, I guess there was one existing project that sort of matched it uh, similarly, um, which would be the Tolk project, T-O-L-K. Um, and so that that project is actually, um, was the closest thing that I had found similar to um, what I had, what I envisioned here. And the problem with Tolk was that it's got about, you know, 580 stars, it looks like here. So pretty popular, um, but it hadn't seen some activity in quite some time. Uh, a lot of the popularity comes from mm, older versions of Rails. I guess there was a particular point in time when it was very popular. Um, however, I went through and I was, I was, you know, you expect a project with 580 stars. Hopefully you could just you know, flash it up and get it running. Well, didn't seem to be the case. There was, it seemed to be broken all over for me. Um, I, I don't know how other people were, are, or were managing, but it was unusable for me. Uh, and, and so I, I went through, I was like, well, I'll just fix this popular repository up and, you know, push up a PR and, and we'll, we'll get things running, you know, get things in a better state. I don't like to see things die. Um, I, I like to keep a project going if it's if it's a good project. And so I started out small, you know, try and just fix what I needed. And things snowballed and snowballed, snowballed, ended up with this giant PR, uh, you know, fixing, trying to just get the project in a decent state. Because by the time I got through it all, I was like, this is, this project is just in rough shape. Uh, so I sort of overhauled it for what I did. I dropped my PR and I said, you know, here's what I got done. You know, could could appreciate a little bit of help on the last little stretch here, you know, struggling. But like, um, I've, I've really sunk a lot of time into this. You know, I'm hoping to share with people and, you know, kind of just got struck down. It's like, oh, well, we don't, you know, lack of priority and whatever. So I, I was like, well, I've sunk too much time into this project to continue any further. There's, uh, and what do I get out of it? We still, it still has its, all its legacy, um, things going on. So all the different decisions they made in the past, it, it still hangs on to all those. So there are, let's say it was 80% of what I'm looking for. The other 20% adds confusion and complexity to people. Um, and so that, that's one way I thought it, it could be better. So other other translation implementations, you'll see a lot of things like, and same with Tolk, you'll see a lot of things like um, there's a whole bunch of different rake tasks that you need to run um, to keep everything in synchronization. And so like the idea of having to do that on the command line just is like, you got to go do it all in the right order, this step first, this step first. And remember, you know, your hopefully your cookbook's all written up, right? So uh, 
I don't like to have that that rake task approach. Um, it's just too it seems too error prone. So basically, try to do away with with rake tasks and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, the, the idea of this is to make it simple, um, something that you can, yeah, continue to do, and something that hopefully maybe a developer, a non-developer, could maybe get away with updating the translations or something like that. You know, like it's it's possible in the in this scenario. Whereas with rake tasks, eh, I don't think so. Um, so yeah, the, the situation in the ecosystem definitely wanted to be better. So it was a shame that it couldn't couldn't revive um, that popular old project. But um, it's fine. We can have we can have new things. Um, old things do die sometimes. Um, so. I mean, hopefully they they can get that up to snuff. I think I saw a recent PR that they had a Rails 7 support to it. And I was like, that's weird. I thought the project didn't really work, but okay. <laughs> um, so it's it's interesting to see how that shakes out. I'm I'm yeah, it's I don't like to see projects die like like Tolk. You know, that's it's got a huge legacy, um, very popular. It's it's a shame for me to see that stuff. Uh I've I've picked up a variety of uh, open source projects just from seeing them. Okay, they're in disarray. There have you know, there's too many open issues. Uh, that can be a common one. Too many open issues, and it just sort of drowns itself. Um, so you can help out open source in that way, or you just see that the maintainers just sort of walked away and it's just not accepting PRs, not doing the things they need to do to keep the project up to snuff. And so, in those scenarios, I've seen. I've just reached out. Okay, so you probably curate a bunch of issues to help help out a particular project. That's one easy way to get started and build some street creds uh, with the maintainer so that he trusts you. And then you can, and hopefully you can do some contributions as well with the PRs. I ideally you don't just want to be doing issues, but between the two of those things, uh, contributions and stuff. Then once you get you once you become the expert in the field, you now can reach out to the maintainer um i've you know chased down their email addresses out of the commit messages and send them an email you're like hey you know i see you abandoned this project you know like i'd really love to see it go forward i'd be happy to help maintain it and and stuff and so i've done that um at least two notable times i probably three three times with different maintainers so and i've gotten I'm now the main maintainer, if you will, um, core maintainer, if you will. So, uh, yeah, it's it it has been something that's worked. Uh, so I I manage the RODF gem. That's the for developing um, ODS spreadsheets in Ruby. Um, so basically, somebody had written an awesome spec and then sort of walked away and. I was so happy that he, with the work he had done, uh, that I wanted to pick up the maintenance. And so I, I like to leave, uh, even if they, they've abandoned the project, sometimes the maintainer will suggest, well, why don't we transfer it into your name or something like that? Transfer the repo in your name. I'm like, no, 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 that's not cool. Uh, I like to leave it in the original owner's name. This like, chances are they put in like tons of lines of code. You know, the, the initial stuff is usually so big and so whatever happens after that is like easy if you will 
Um, so I want to give them the cred. I like to give, let them have the creds for that, you know? Um, but then even over time, they'll just say, no, no, you, you need to have it. We will transfer it. It's like, okay, fine. But I do like, uh, trying to leave it in the original maintainer's name, but yeah, it's, it's, it, that's, that's a fun one. RODF, uh, another big one that I picked up was, uh, that's from spreadsheet architect. Um, basically there's a few dependent gems for spreadsheet architect and, uh, RODF is, is one for dealing with the ODS spreadsheets. Um, ODS is a, is a format that's popular, I think in, uh, Europe. Um, but another gem that I picked up from that was, uh, a gem called AXLSX. That's a mouthful. AXLSX Styler. Uh, and basically that gem just allows you to add or used to allow you to add styles to your Excel spreadsheet after you've already uh, added the rows. And so you, it give you this nice sort of workflow like like CSS style where you could just do it after. And that's cool. Um, and that gem was really, really helpful for AXLSS in general. Like it recently actually we merged that into ca there's a community version of axlsx and uh, called ca i don't even want to keep saying this <laughs> calsx um but yeah we we actually merged that that gem up to core and so uh now it's actually in the project itself and uh it's now the legacy just lives on just as a a, a gem page that's no longer used hopefully anymore so uh those both of those projects were yeah just reaching out to the maintainer over email and just saying hey you know i'd love to carry this forward and they've been ecstatic uh from, from both sides uh about the work they've been doing so um i would say that to other people as well like it's it's if you see a project rotting and it's cool. Chances are, like, try and try and go the extra mile and and take get that thing maintained again. Um, try and you could be that guy if 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 you need to be, you know. Like, so reach out and do those things. Um, it could just be little things like opening issue or, or creating issue management. Like I've done that for other projects. Like. Um, it could be a domain you're not familiar with. Let's say I, I worked with Cordova, uh, Cordova apps for a while there. And you only have so much knowledge into the native uh, Android or iOS. Um, and so, you know, you, the problem with that ecosystem is it, it deals with web, which is JavaScript, and then you've got Android and iOS. And so it runs people pretty thin, you know, People aren't usually experts in all three. Chances are they're just an expert in JavaScript or just an expert in iOS. And so um, the problem with those repositories is, is simply people are creating issues, bug reports and stuff, and the, the quantity that comes in versus the people who offer to maintain it, it is just totally out of balance. And so certain certain repositories, just to keep them alive, you'll need to just curate the issues, um, close things down every so often, um, try to identify duplicates, um, a lot of, you know, issue management. And that's 
if you don't do that, the project can just fall away and be unconsiderable. You know, like if a, if someone was to look at it, they'll be like, oh, I wouldn't use that. It looks, looks like it's in poor state. Um, so that can be one way to to revive life to, to projects. That's happened on a, on a few different occasions for a few different projects. I worked with uh, Chameleon CMS um, when I was trying to figure out how to make a good CMS solution back in the day, which never worked out. <laughs> um, but the, yeah, I worked a lot with issues and just like, didn't really work a lot with the code in that code base, but I, I worked a lot on their image, you know, marketing website Im- ish- issues. Um, and I felt like I, I felt like I brought that, that project back from the dead, uh, it made it, con- made it considerable again to people. Now, now you can look at it and say, okay. I might use this, you know, there's not a thousand <laughs> open issues, right? Like, uh, there's, there's some hope here, but that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would, it's chameleon CMS. It's, uh, <laughs> it's like the word most, uh, unruby thing I've ever experienced. Uh, it's such a crowded space yeah. CMS in general, right? Like, <laughs> uh, I tried to go down and, uh, <laughs> time lost i don't know if you call it that (laughs) (laughs) i mean brain cycle cycle used that's that's kind of my default uh trying out a new rails project or new feature right like i'll I'll just create a cms right like (laughs) you know if i if i'm like oh hey what's new in like you know Rails seven like let me spin up a new rails app and start making pages i guess like Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's different every time, not a little bit, you know. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. oh, I, I shouldn't do that because I know eventually I'll get down a, a rabbit hole doing, you know, X, Y, Z with it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I worked a lot with these different CMS maintainers and stuff, and I got pretty deep into a bunch of them. Like locomotive CMS was seeming pretty attractive to oh, me, yeah. and then I, I got you get pretty deep into these, like you're invested, you've already got your project, you're like, I'm going for this, I'm going to finish this project. And then you get hung up by the CMS is simply incapable of doing the next phase of things that you need to do. And you're not even that, you know, not even at the end game yet. And so I start creating all these issues, you know, it's like, how do we do this? How do we do that? How do we do this? And like, trying to be real detailed and like, oh, I'm happy to open PRs, no problem. But it's like, my head was just hurting and then you know <laughs> these there's no solution those issues will still still be open today because yeah it's it's an infinite issue you go you solve one problem you've built another problem yeah with cms's that's how i mean works. that's kind of a a good analogy of like open source in general right like where you've made this thing and like okay lots of people start using it gets a community and then like you hit these limitations where, okay, well, the way it's built, like, doesn't really fit in this feature that's like, lots of people are starting to request. And then you're like, well, I now I want it, right? Like, well, do we start looking at something else? Like, do we try and like rewrite this thing, right? <laughs> and yeah. uh, it is, it's a, tr- it's a tricky uh, balancing act for sure, right? Like, it, it just reminds me of, uh, you know, Mike Perham's like, you know, focus on the very niche thing, like specific and be as small as you can. And then just like add yeah. on other things to it, right? Uh, so I try and think yeah. think about that, but like 
when you're just having fun and like doing like that's the problem with open source like it's people's fun time right so like <laughs> when you when you get to the point where you're like you need to start depending it for the non-fun time like <laughs> it starts to like yeah. the the lines start blurring right <laughs> yeah no i know i know but yeah that's awesome I, I, that, that you go and like curate issues and stuff uh you know that's one thing i'm terrible at with <laughs> all my open source projects uh i'm yeah. getting better but like yeah i'm when i go to other projects i i'll go and look at the issues and be like you know i'll be get, getting some of the older ones and be like i don't think this makes sense anymore and just leave a comment right like hey should we close this like seems like it's not and you know sometimes it'll get closed right <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh because a lot of times you go and you'll see like okay this one has like 200 issues and like really it's 200 issues and like you know, 90% of them are from like two or more years ago. And you're like, exactly, do those really yeah. count, right? Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Sometimes you have to commit uh, bankruptcy for those old stuff. You know, it's like, what, yeah. what is this offering anybody? Nothing. You know, it's just <laughs> like, we have to, we, we have to do something and I can't look at each issue. So we're just going to close them all. <laughs> and hopefully you reopen something if it's a big deal. I don't yeah. like doing that that happens but like in certain circumstances that's uh useful i, I remember listening to jose valim talk about how he like manages his because at the one point he just had like so many open source projects that he was like literally burning out from just like managing all the ones that he had and he like made this like strict thing where it was like just quick to close right like okay if somebody is really like has an issue with it like they'll reopen it with why they think it should be, you know, a valid issue, right? And so, like, I, I took that to heart, right? Like, a lot of people do, they just make an issue they for logging, right? Like, okay, like, this is an issue. Uh, this is what I experienced. And sometimes it's not really worth pursuing, uh, a, not even a fix, but, like, maybe it's, like, a feature or, you know, something else. And you do, you just end up with these things where, okay, like, as a maintainer, the issue stays open because you want to be considerate to the person that opened it. Uh, and also expose it to other people that may submit the same thing. At the same time, you don't want to have an open issue that you know you're not going to fix anyway. And you're like waiting for community feedback that just never comes. Right? Uh, and so, you, you know, like, do you auto expire issues then after a certain time? Um, you know, I, I'm curious, like, what's your method for like managing the insanity? <laughs> I guess auto, I don't like auto expiring, especially when they're for like very short times. I've seen things like 10 days or less you know and I, i'm not a fan of that because uh, then it leads to a, a super clean backlog you know that's uh well, everything's fine <laughs> um no so i i think that there's no replacement for human eyes there i mean these things only become a problem when you neglect them so um even if you have neglected them, you know, let's say you have, you, it's a it's a one-time cost or maybe two times cost, but one-time cost to just to go through the issues and close them all. So like it's painful then, but future you is going to be so happy. You're going to be so free and light. Um, so I, I and, and when you look at some of this old stuff, um, you go, oh, wow, we didn't do this. Or like, you know, I thought we already did that feature or like, this is, you know, this is totally should be fixed, you know, like you'll come across some stuff, you'll be like, oh my gosh, you know, this is this gold mine of, of useful stuff. 
And then a, a lot of it will just be crud that you're closing. But but to find those little pieces and bits um, can really help tie up a lot of loose ends. I, I find it to be useful. So uh, you, you get something out of it and future you benefits. Yeah, for sure. I could see that. Uh, it it makes me wonder, like, uh, you know, I, I know that there's like a, okay, this is unmaintained, you know, you add some slogan to to your repo. You know, I, I've checked yeah. out, you know, <laughs> you know I, I wonder if yeah. there's a more elegant solution to that, right? Like, <laughs> uh, where, yeah. you know, you could flag it, okay, this project, you know, it, is not going to be worked on anymore. If if you're interested, you know, uh, submit it here, and it would just like start a ranking, and then you could just click. Okay, like this guy looks good. <laughs> yeah, or girl, right? Yeah, like, no, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you, you do have to give up on the those those projects, though. I I I had to do that uh, earlier this year already. I have one project. I made a form builder uh, gem and. Uh, started sinking a ton of time into it and I was starting to get stressed out on my like you know on my personal time and it's like staying up really late and still not finishing the project you know so like <laughs> it, I just had to I was like you, you got to cut this off for your own sanity um there are things that are worth maintaining at like all the other projects that I do I'm happy to maintain those but this particular one seems like it's going to wreck my life a little bit if if you will um <laughs> so like i had, had to shut it down and say no no more i'm not gonna not gonna even think about this anymore because i have to throw away that idea because it was it's too much work right right and so you got to be able to do that um otherwise yeah you can depending on how you're into open source for what you're into it for but some some people it's a bit of an addiction or whatever you're scratching a niche right and so to me, it I think it is that like I'll go through probably the winter times is probably the the worst, you know. So you you get bored in the winter and you're like, I gotta I gotta build something. I just have to build something. And so you start doing this open source and yeah, if you end up with too many projects and yeah, you don't want to end up maintaining stuff just because uh you, you like to finish things, you know, and <laughs> you don't wanna just yeah, I don't like to have undone things. So uh, right. Yeah, you just got to be able to say no. That's enough. Shutting this down. Yeah, when I when I first saw this uh, Rails, you know, translation manager, it made me think of uh, Thoughtbot's old uh, copy copter. I don't know if you're familiar, uh, but it it was basically like a uh, a very generic like uh, text, you know, management server that you can then query against. Uh, so they had like two parts, like a copy copper server. And then the client where it would just use the translations to like pull some other server for that data, right? Like, uh, and it, it reminded me of that, but like they abandoned that. <laughs> and, you know, ThoughtBots is pretty like big, you know, consultancy company, especially in the Rails community. Uh, yeah. and, and when I saw they were like, uh, yeah, we're, we're not really interested in, in managing this anymore. <laughs> and I just thought, Man, like okay, like anything could evaporate, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's the yeah. wild west of the open source world. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that's a big one. A lot of thoughtbot <laughs> stuff has gone uh, unmaintained over the years. It's, I mean, whatever they shifted directions or whatever, but yeah, but I mean, you know, it it just goes. It's not, it's not necessarily uh, 
you know, against the norm, right? Like <laughs> it's, it's not just, you know, personal projects. It's not, it's like also bigger companies too, right? Like eventually mm-hmm. the need dries up and they don't have a need for the product or, you know, maybe there's other better alternatives that come up and then they just abandon them. Right. Uh, and so it's hard to like, uh, I guess for me, it's hard to know when to quit. <laughs> I I just, I, I have them open just like, you know, projects that I have just open all the time. Or sometimes I'll pick up, I'll be like, oh, this looks like an interesting project. And I'll start to like get involved. Uh, and then I just stop. <laughs> you know? I'm sorry, you know. Uh, uh, my mind just like wanders too much, I think. <laughs> and I'm wondering yeah. if like, maybe that's just like, how it happens, right? Like things just organically like move directions in the open source world. Uh, and maybe that's a good thing, right? Passion. <laughs> yeah, passions change. Passions change. Yeah. <laughs> what, what once was. No, it's, uh, you, you did say something about that earlier. You, you said, um, you said there's something about making your idea, what was it? It was small and niche. Um, think and that is something to be said uh like that's a key part of this particular rails int manager is that like it's limited in scope um it's i don't want it to get super complicated um where you've got all these different pieces uh that have to work nicely together so it should just be a very simple solution very focused um and not a lot of extra fluff. And that those are the most maintainable projects um, across the board. Yeah, once you start to add too much, or you you decide to add this feature, and then you you have to live with that legacy of adding that feature after the fact. Um, and sometimes the legacy of adding that feature is just maintenance burden. And so it's you just working on this feature just because you somebody happened to mention or you happen to think it was a good idea and now you're just working on it and nobody's going to even use it after and so after you have to like opt out of some of those maintenance burdens and just say no there's a simpler way what if we what if we don't have all these bells and whistles and we just solve the problem in a simple simple way yeah you know we're kind of seeing that come out from like uh i would say rails as a you know, framework kind of uh, firming up, right? Like it's matured. It's not really changing that much, right? Like some newer features come in, but for the most part, like a lot of the active record stuff is kind of the same, right? Like <laughs> it hasn't really changed too much. Uh, and if you were, uh, you know, a Rails developer 10, 15 years ago, you're seeing very similar, like, you know, structure uh, to how it works, right? And so uh, I yeah. think we're starting to see a lot of like these newer, very niche things uh, that are just plug in and drop in using, right? Uh, where yeah. like like you have here, where it's like, okay, use it for this purpose and it's going to work great, right? <laughs> and I think you're yeah. right. I think having a, a very, you know, adding too much can definitely like kind of be the downfall of like that onslaught of issues, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's definitely interesting. And a cool thing about this this project, actually, now that I think about it, is uh, that I implemented it using Rails Engine. So um, not that useful to a lot of people, but like 
it's just another web server that you got to manage and run. And like, that's a headache, you know, like that's the show that could be a showstopper to, let's say why copycopter is not running. They're not running it anymore. Somebody wanted to stop running the thing. Right. So this Rails engine approach allows you to, let's say you already have an app running or you, and, and you just, so you drop it into this and, oh, it's already running on that app. And now I'm still just maintaining the one app. Cool. You know, like no extra maintenance burden, really, you know? Uh, and, or you can just have, let's say you have like all these services, you'd have seven different services running in one Rails app. Uh, you just keep plugging in a new Rails engine every time and uh, all is well. Um, you know, it's not super important functionality. It doesn't need to be isolated. It's just, it serves its purpose and let's not make it a maintenance headache. Um, so I, I kind of been liking that approach. Um, a lot of the stuff in the past has been like, we're just working on gems. You, you just add a gem and you use the Ruby code. It's not like a, a full UI, like a, a Rails app, if you will. And so I'm having fun with these, uh, these new, with these Rails engines because it's li- you can you can limit it in scope like a gem, but yet now you're able to explore new ideas that are just beyond the scope of what you can do in gems. Um, you're you're able to take it to a higher level, a higher abstraction, and uh, I'm I'm quite enjoying that. I think that that's sort of been my my most recent evolution is what's next for open source for me and and. Um, I've been enjoying these Rails engines um, as a unique way of, you know, expressing yourself. So, yeah. That's yeah, that's awesome. awesome. You know, uh, Rails engines are definitely like one of the most underutilized things, I would say, uh, in Rails, right? Because they are, you yeah. just plug them in and then they just magically work <laughs> with your app, right? And they can be completely separate in their own external, you know, repo even. Uh, and it's great. Yeah. Um so what's your experience been like building that and like maintaining the engine o- over a longer period of time? Like, is, is it pretty straightforward? Like once it's, once you have like kind of the the nuts and bolts like locked in, is it pretty like straightforward as far as like updating with the latest, you know, Rails versions and stuff? Yeah, there's, um, I guess there's a few different things to, to keep in mind, but it's pretty straightforward. Um one of the things, if you're like expecting to modularize your system, like n- not in a gem based approach or something like, and you want to like start accessing stuff from other engines and, you know, talking between the two, you're probably going to run into some troubles and headaches. And I think there's blog articles written about people going that route and then coming back and, and that sort of thing. But, um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't highly recommend that. Try to keep it siloed more, if you will. Uh, you'll see good examples of that like you know sidekick has its web interface all these things they're just siloed interfaces and that that's quite helpful um the other aspect i guess is yeah there's a few different interesting configurations you need to set up whether you need your how you want your migrations to behave um you can make them like silent in the background or you can make it as an actual like bundle install step that people have to do um, assets are, is a big one. Um, that's kind of a troubling situation for uh, Rails engines um, because Sprockets is no longer like available in all scenarios um, b- because of that, which is a shame because we just it was our one solution that <laughs> makes everything just work, just work TM, <laughs> right? And um, 
now that we don't have that, you're like, oh, well, I have to support all users. So now you can't use the asset pipeline if you want to support all people. Um, so and what so is that, that process? <laughs> the the thing that I've settled upon is just storing your assets publicly and using CDNs where you can. Um, yeah, so just put them in the public. So that means you just got plain CSS, no more SAS. Uh, that's a shame. That's actually that hard to live with that. But, you know, but, um, and, and that's frustrating if you want to do SaaS customizations, like let's say Bootstrap wants you to, you can change colors and, and this and that with right. SaaS. You're like, how do we do that? That's, it's kind of a problem. Um, <laughs> well, to be honest, so that, CSS should support it out of the box. <laughs> they, they do. They have those CSS variables, but yeah. they always, somehow it comes back. It's like, oh yeah, we mostly support CSS, but then, oh yeah, you need SaaS for this. You know, right, right, right. I know. Yeah, the third parties really bite you. <laughs> yeah. 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 And um, and SaaS also is not in the same scenario either. You can't just add that as a dependency to the Rails engine. It's the whole situation. Uh, <laughs> use the old version or the new version, you know. Right. A lot of us are still using the old version. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's that's the main uh paradigms you have to get used to i guess is that that asset management um you you have to sort of architect your setup in a way that's going to work for you um and so just pay a little attention to that but yeah once you set it up and get it running then it's it's all easy um the only noticeable thing is everything's namespaced under uh your your name which can be annoying or you know something to get used to but that's right that's the only difference other than that i i think it's a great experience the problem is, it's interesting. They um, Rails engines was built years ago, right? Like, and they basically haven't been touched, as far as I can tell. Like, I I don't know if they've been touched since then. Like, it's it's just been sitting, and it's it's kind of like an amazing technical feat that you know it stood the test of time like that. But the documentation is pretty poor. Like, you kind of have to find things out in the wild. Um, so I mean, Rails has that problem in general. The documentation just it's it's too difficult to get stuff to the documentation the pr gate uh sometimes um yeah and it's a sh it's kind of a shame yeah like <laughs> it should just be we should just be documenting more rather than uh being so correct right um, <laughs> but but um whatever it's the world we live in so so there's some documentation issues and you'll find out some some different hacks and stuff just from looking at other Rails engines. That's one of the things you, you need to do if you're going to get into that world. Just you need to see what other people are doing. Otherwise, you, you just won't know how to do certain things or you won't know what's possible. And so, and I think your mileage would vary if you were to ask these questions on Stack Overflow or Reddit or something or wherever your place is. I think your mileage would vary as to like, you might not get an answer to the question you're you're talking about so like it's not super commonly treaded ground um because of that reason like i said it's not it might not be great for modularization or those other purposes and since it's not useful for that uh, it's more on a gem level oftentimes right yeah yeah i i know like a lot of people like to to use engines even internally to help help move apps out of a giant monolith, right? Uh, but yeah, I mean, there are so many limitations. Uh, 
mm-hmm. you know, with anytime you need data sharing, I feel like that's definitely <laughs> the, the cross yeah. the cross app yeah. communication barrier is always just like it, never a fun thing to play with. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not fun. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the monolith is a beautiful thing. It, uh, it really is. <laughs> the more you, you break will, out, you will enjoy life. Yeah, you will enjoy life. <laughs> you know, yeah. And you you notice what you had as you break out. Yeah, you know. Right, so, I know. You're like, oh wait, how do I get this thing uh, into that new app now? <laughs> yeah, <No>. exactly. <laughs> months later. Yeah, months later. <laughs> months later, it's already <laughs> happened. You know. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Funny. No, it's sure. it's so. like when tests fail on a, a leap year or something, right? Like, <laughs> like oh, I forgot about that case. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we have a we have a running Slack channel for time time fun time fun. And we like to just <laughs> yeah. We we one of the recent ones that just came up was a spec that had a really funny name for about the time, and yeah, we, we were all talking about it. So I'm glad you mentioned that <laughs> relevant. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. Time, time's fun to joke about because it just melts your brain. And <laughs> Oh, it does. It's, it's, oh, my gosh. Especially like, yeah, I mean, especially in the States, right, where we have the, the uh, you know, <laughs> the, the daylight savings time. It really like, we're the only ones, you know, <laughs> and like yeah, you absolutely. deal with any other country and, you know, they're just like, why is it an hour less again? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's yeah. up, what, what month is it? You know, like <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Exactly. Oh my gosh, your microwave and your fridge—they uh, don't agree. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, uh, you know, thank you, Weston, for coming on and uh, and for this, you know, translation manager. I- I'm definitely going to use this going forward for translations. Looks super yeah. simple, and uh, yeah, I hope I hope you get uh, help. <laughs> so that it stays <laughs> up, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. We can continue to grow it as a community, but like I said, uh, we got to keep it minimal in scope so that we don't hate our lives later. Right. So, uh, <laughs> I'm hoping this can be the de facto standard to sort of carry I-18 forward. I don't know how, you know, not every app does need I-18, which is the interesting thing. Uh, that a lot of people right. don't think about. You first start out, you're like, "Of course, I need it translated in every language," you know. <laughs> but you can actually you can actually avoid translations uh, in the English world that we have uh, right. online. So, um, <laughs> but for the situations you can't, this gem will be there to save the day. And I'm hoping it can just be that solution to just just get people rolling. And like I say, it, it, they might replace it way later on, years down the road, but at that point, they'll they'll know why and and what they want to do, um, yeah. Rather than just when you're starting off, I just want to reduce barriers, and so I think this can help. I think, I think it'll stick around. It seems like you, you keep it small, and it, you never know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's been well, a, uh, a real pleasure with you talking with you, Valentino. Yeah. Um, so, in, in, at the end of the show, we always like to uh, kind of. Give something that we're we're really excited working on or, or interested in or or even just we, we called it picks before, but I feel like it's transitioning. <laughs> so anything at all you want to share, uh, you know, go now's your chance. Uh that's that's been my current passionate project. Um I guess it's summertime and uh 
the next one hopefully doesn't come until after summer, but uh, patiently waiting the next big idea uh, or small idea, I should say, <laughs> then uh, that I'll have something to work on again. That should be exciting. Now I'm just staying busy with uh, working on my four by fours and working on engines and mechanicals. It's a pain. <laughs> I don't envy that. <laughs> no. Well, it's, it's it, fun. it is fun. It is fun. <laughs> same same realm as open source. You you say you tell yourself this is going to be fun. Right, right. Sometimes it is, and sometimes <laughs> it isn't. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, well, on topic here, and I, you did briefly mention it while we were talking. Uh, but uh, you know the the guy from uh, I don't know if he's still at HashiCorp, but Obi Fernandez. Uh, he, he has this, uh, instant IATNN gem, uh, that does instant right. translations based on your translation file. Super cool project. Uh, yeah. I, you know, um, That's so the one I, I it, on. yeah, I would, I would totally, uh, you know, try this in like in combination with your app and see, you know, how it, how it works out. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm hoping to maybe do something with that. I, I'll admit, I'm not wanting to propagate um, AI. I'm, I'm not wanting to propagate it. But however, I thought that, that this was a like perfectly well-suited solution. Like the, There's a comment that said, this is a very well-suited solution to LLMs. And I just happen to agree, you know, this is dealing with words. And so it, I feel like this is a perfect use for it. Um, and that would add some popularity to the project, probably give it some hype. Um, right. But yeah, that gem would be cool to integrate with it. Uh, but I, I already proposed to him that, uh, see, he's building out a bigger solution and he hasn't, he hasn't scoped the gem down to a very small niche thing. And so I'm, I'm trying to tell him, hey, you have a very awesome small niche thing here. Right. Separate that and then build your thing on top of it and build a bigger uh, gem to do all the other fancy stuff that you want to do because a lot of people are going to get not be able to do that. And so if he doesn't do that, it'll be a shame because then somebody else has to make the gem that he already made and gets <laughs> the story. Right. Um, or or they have to copy the source verbatim and put it into there. It's just the small bit they need. So I'm hoping to try to encourage him to 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 do that so that we can so that he can have the fame. You know, right? That's what right. I mean. They want to do that to a guy, but if they don't want to take the glory for themselves, then what can you do? <laughs> so yeah, that's that's where I'm hoping that goes. But uh, yeah, that could be an exciting. That's a probably an obvious next step for this. You know. Yeah. So I mean, I I think it's fun. I, I agree with you. Maybe it's overhyped. Uh, all this, you know, large language model talk. But uh, you know, it's just yeah. it's. It's just a toy at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, have fun uh, with it while it lasts, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, the technical stuff is fun. I just don't... Uh, I, I what, what AI might do to our world on the, on the human level is, <laughs> is the issue. But I'm happy that for the technical, technological things that, uh, that we can do with it today. Well, Weston, thanks for coming on. Uh, it was great talk to you. And... Uh, you know, I, I hope everything goes smooth with your projects. And, yeah. uh, you know, until next time, folks. <laughs> Valentino out. <laughs>